This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Oh my God. Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. What is up? Happy Thursday. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate you. Do we? <laughs> Don't ruin my intro. You know, it's like when you ask someone, how are you? And, you know, everyone just says, it's I'm good. It's a rhetorical good. question. I know. And then some, I never want an answer. finally someone just goes, well, actually. And you're like, no, no, you weren't supposed to actually answer well, that. You're never going to do that because you're too nice of a human. But I would do that. I'd be like, actually, I have to go somewhere. Maybe we can <laughs> no, follow up. I would. You're actually more nice than you say you yeah, are. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I just like to... I don't know. I like people to think I'm mean, but I'm not really. So when I do they get to meet me, they're like, No, oh, yeah, because so Ryan, sweet. you know what Ryan said? I, so on Twitter, I looked at his Twitter the other day, and he's complaining all the time. And he goes, no, that's my Twitter brand. Yeah, like, you know, like, it's just like you you have, like, a Twitter voice, and you just complain online. <laughs> Seems like a lot of work, a lot of voices. <laughs> How many voices can you have? Man. Well, uh, now we're di- we're diving into, you know, a whole <laughs> mental health discussion. I mean, listen, I have a lot of voices. I guess I... I I keep them in my head and sometimes I don't. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I am very, very happy about not actually, I can't barely move. My back is so sore right now, y'all. I'm like, it's awful. It's really The truth comes out when I ask, how are you doing? I know. Here's the thing. I'm working out. I'm doing really good. Congratulations. How how long has it been since I said I've been working out? I feel like at least like two Two weeks weeks now at this point. Yeah. And I feel like I'm growing muscles in places that I've never grew them before. But I just don't know how much longer I can do this, y'all. It's two weeks, Ryan. (laughs) I just don't know. That's why it's called a commitment. I just don't know. We really have to have a serious conversation uh, with those weights and my trainer. I publicly told him I hated him yesterday. Can we call him on the show one day and ask what it's like to be Ryan's trainer? I think that could be a four-minute. That would be a really interesting. I would wonder what he said. He's going to Cabo next week but I think he would be down you gotta to get him to work on let's go there I would yeah he would be down to do that I'm sure he would yeah people in LA don't say no to being on air no of course not <laughs> all right coming up uh, we're talking about compassion fatigue which is growing for the unvaccinated that is at 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern. Plus, breaking news on Britney Spears and the T-Report in a moment. Let me just say, bullying big. works. It's big. Bullying works. Now, what's trending this hour? Here it is. As uh, mask mandates have become a hot-button issue across the country and schools, President Biden gave his take. I know there are a lot of people out there trying to turn a public safety measure, <clears throat> that is, children wearing masks in school, so they can be safe into a 
political dispute. And that this isn't about politics. It's about keeping our children safe. There you go. He has spoken. It's really quick. (laughs) He was right to the point. Yeah, we're going to have a little bit more time. (laughs) Meanwhile, the FDA has a... Are, is going to approve coronavirus booster shots for immunocompromised people. The U.S. is averaging about half a million new vaccinations per day for the first time since June. And the task force head, Jeffrey Zients, noted that the average number of 12 to 17-year-olds getting the shots has also doubled in the last month as students return to classrooms. States with the highest virus ra- uh, case rates have made the greatest strides in increasing immunizations. So that is happening for those who are immunocompromised. You might want to check out if you are eligible or you need to get a uh, booster shot. Now, you know, I want a booster shot if I'm able to get one, to be quite honest. You are immunocompromised because you have asthma. Yeah, I do. I want one. Well, other news coming out of L.A. They just announced, this is big, that they will now be requiring people to have at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine before going indoors at restaurants, bars, gyms, shops, movie theaters, and other venues. And they're saying that this could combat the resurgent coronavirus. So I'm sure we'll hear a lot of people possibly arguing against that. But right now that is happening in the city of Los Angeles. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, oh my gosh. We have some breaking news. Okay. Oh, wait. There we go. I just wanted a a little bit of a moment. So, Britney. Miss Britney Spears, breaking news. Guess what? Her dad has agreed it's time to step down as her conservator of her estate. He just said so in some new legal documents, and he said he wants to work with the courts on an orderly transition. So here's what's the really interesting about this, right? So his lawyers um, came out with a statement, and they basically started out the statement that kind of made it seem like, oh, okay, is he going to step down? Is he not? They said there are, in fact, no actual grounds for suspending or removing um, Mr. Spears as the conservator of the estate, and it is highly debatable whether a change in conservator at this time would be in Miss Spears' best interest. And then they came in with the boom. They said this, nevertheless, even as Mr. Spears is the unremitting target of unjustified attacks, he does not believe that a public battle with his daughter over his continuing service as her conservator would be in her best interest. Okay. So that means he's stepping down. Um, and so he even they even go on to say, so even though... Um, he must contest this unjustified petition for his removal. Mr. Spears intends to work with the court and his daughter's new attorney to prepare for an orderly transition to a new conservator. I mean, does she need one anyway? Um, But I'm very excited about this, right? Yeah, it seems like the work was done and it worked. No, it seems like, guess what? Bullying works. (laughs) That's the just keep that's bullying the solution people. Here. That's what we got from this to situation. To get what you want, folks. <laughs> I mean, when you have enough of the world going against you, yeah. But it does. It actually gives me hope for the right things happening to yeah. the right people and the wrong people going away. Well, I know there's the police are looking into also threats that are happening towards the judge who's overseeing this thing as well. So, you know, Britney Spears fans are kind of getting out of hand sometimes, um, especially if they're doing the death threats of it all. Um, but I will say this, that pressure that they were giving online and all the support and this, how it just kind of blew up into the public space in the eye really does, you know, change things sometimes. So that is breaking news. We love to see it. That's your T-Report. I got more coming up next hour.
Well, next up, as the term breakthrough infection is being thrown around, what exactly does it mean? That is next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The term breakthrough infection has been thrown around a lot lately, but what does it actually mean? Dr. Michael Sag is back with us, an infectious diseases expert. Thanks for being here again. Yeah, good to be back with you. Yeah, I mean, how is it going where you are in Alabama? It's a conflagration. I mean, it's like a wildfire. This Delta variant is just tearing through the state, and it's mostly because of unvaccinated folks who for whatever reason, didn't believe that the vaccine would help them. And so they said, ah, show me. Well, Mm. now we're seeing what happens. The funny thing is some people still are seeing what happens and still kind of unfortunately going to their deathbed and still not believing in the vaccine, which brings us to this this term breakthrough, um, breakthrough infection, which it seems like is not really the best term. And a lot of doctors and people like yourself don't really like the term. What are your thoughts? Yeah, right. You know, what it means basically is that somebody's been fully vaccinated and they get exposed, especially to Delta, and they end up with a symptomatic infection. That's all it means. But what we do know is that among those who are fully vaccinated, there's only about 0.5% of them that get sick enough to go into the hospital. And then, even then, very, very few progress to more serious illness of the ICU or even dying. It's almost exclusively the people that are dying or people who are unvaccinated. The vaccine is working. It prevents a lot of infection. And when these so-called breakthrough infections happen, the vaccine-induced immunity protects people a lot from being symptomatic to the point of needing to be hospitalized or worse. So what is your response now to the doubt about vaccines that comes out with all these breakthrough infections, it's becoming now an excuse for folks to continue not trusting the vaccine. I don't quite know what to do, to be honest with you. Um, the, the data could be any clearer. We, it'd be hard to imagine a better vaccine than what we lucked into. And I use that word deliberately. We were just freaking lucky, right, that this vaccine not only works as well as it does, but it's as safe as it is. It it couldn't be a better scenario for us. And every vaccine that we have uh, fails in terms of preventing every new infection after an exposure, especially with a contagious virus like this. But the protection against hospitalization and death is extraordinary. So I don't know what more people need to convince them. And Ron, as you said, uh, some people even going into the ICU to be innovated, innovated, deny that they have COVID. Oh, you're making that up. Nope, nope, we're not making that up. You've got COVID and you're in big trouble. That is so disappointing and probably so frustrating for yourself who is seeing this happen. Because uh, we hear the stories, but like for a doctor in that space, actually seeing that happen, it's just like what at this point, it just feels like there's nothing more that we can do. But I, I do wonder, do you think we should be changing the language maybe around like if a breakthrough infection isn't the right term to say it or it isn't the best term to say it, what would be the alternative? Like what other language can we attach yeah. to this? I don't know. I mean, I don't have a problem personally with the term breakthrough. I I guess what I'm having trouble with is that the public, especially in the area where I live, 
don't uh, comprehend what it means when so many people are vaccinated. And your point about healthcare workers, it's not just me. It's everybody working in the hospital. We're working our tails off right now. And the emergency rooms are overwhelmed. The hospital itself is becoming overwhelmed. But there's secondary uh, consequences of that. If somebody has, God forbid, a heart attack and the emergency room is just socked in, it could be hard for that person with a heart attack to even make it to the door to get attention. And the, the hospital workers, the ER docs and the staff there are so overwhelmed with COVID, it's hard for them to manage. And that's, a, that's an unintended but potentially catastrophic consequence of this explosive number of cases. Just real quickly, right now we've, we're exceeding the number of cases at the worst time we've ever had COVID, January of this year. And that number will, go, will become uh, twice as high by Labor Day. So then we're going to be even worse. So after that, I don't know what happens. The projections are that's going to come down, but I don't know why it would. To me, it's just going to plateau there, and we're going to be in a world of hurt for quite a while. Yeah, it's it's so unfortunate. And I think that people that are just against the system and think everything is fake, there's they're going to find it's a confirmation bias, right? They're going to find the things to prove their argument. And that's what's really tragic about all this, including when people like you are working so hard for all of us. Uh, I guess that's it. Yes, we need to get you back because I want to talk about a booster shot another time. We need to talk, have you back maybe tomorrow for that or Monday, but hopefully tomorrow. Okay. Uh, but that was Dr. Michael Sag, an infectious diseases expert. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Good to be back with you. Next, will bacon actually be banned in California, perhaps with this proposition that's next? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A new proposition in California, Prop 12, a.k.a. the Farm Animal Confinement Initiative, is a law that creates more humane conditions for animals, which is great, right? But why is everyone freaking out? Kelly Vaughn joins us right now, staff writer for Food 52. Thanks for being here. Hi, Shira Ryan. Thanks for having me. Hi. So explain what Prop 12 is all about. Sure. So essentially what it says is that the minimum space requirements for raising veal, pigs, and hens needs to increase. So the cages and crates that they are kept in on farms needs to have a larger square footage in order to just give them a little bit more breathing room. And essentially, at the end of the day, it's a law that guarantees more humane conditions for animals. It was a measure that was passed in November 2018 on California state ballots with 62.66% of residents voting in favor of the measure. And now people are freaking out because it's about to take effect in January. So why are people freaking out? So basically, only 4% of farmers have actually complied with these new square footage requirements. So that means 96% of the farmers that supply pork to the state of California have not complied, which that creates a huge problem when it comes to supply and demand. Californians consume 225 million pounds of pork each month, which amounts to 15% of the total amount of pork consumed nationwide every single month. So it's a huge, huge volume of pork. And if there aren't enough farmers to be able to supply the product, then Californians aren't going to have the pork that they need. 
pork problem. But then couldn't they just get it from other states? But then it would probably increase the amount of money, the price, right? And by the way, you're talking to a vegetarian uh, slash lean towards vegan sometimes. So I'm okay with this. I, 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 I eat like this because I don't think it's humane. So I'm down for this if you are going to eat it. But like what... What other way would Californians get it? It's Did you not just like judge me because I like to eat bacon. No, I was just that explaining myself. That was so myself. judgmental. I was explaining myself. You just basically said you hated everyone who eats yeah, bacon. Exactly. <laughs> you just want to be hated, don't but, you? But that's the thing that the majority of Californians voted in favor of this measure. So even pork lovers still see the benefits of these more humane conditions for animals. For but what happens is that this new initiative doesn't just apply to California farmers. It applies to farmers all across the country. So if if a California resident or a restaurant is getting their pork from a farmer in Idaho, if that farmer has not yet complied with these new regulations, they will not be allowed to sell or supply their uh, product in California. So it's me like an underground pork buying thing it's happening. A, it's a black market for bacon. It's <laughs> real prohibition. I mean, I, all right. I want to know, though, how is this going to impact the restaurant industry? I mm. mean, who doesn't love a bacon cheeseburger or a little bit of bacon on, you know, the it's going to be more you scarce. Know, yeah, like, what, like, what does that look yeah. like in terms of the restaurant industry, especially with them battling it out with the pandemic as well? Absolutely. So it's tough to say at this point because there is still five to six months for farmers to comply. But if they don't comply, and it's hard to imagine that the remaining 96% of farmers will comply in such a short period of time, bacon prices could increase by up to 60%, which means that a $6 package of bacon could near up to $10. So it's going to drastically raise the prices because there isn't enough demand or there isn't enough to supply to meet the demand. You know, I feel like this is just the way the cookie crumbles with this because I do think the industry is unethical. What are something you going to say when, to le- when lettuce and grass starts becoming $12? Well, actually, that actually, is true. Is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> By the way. So I just feel like if this is what forces people to change things and maybe it takes time and in the meantime, it is a bit more expensive, then that's what happens. Like, I mean... Are you forcing and- plant-based dieting <laughs> on us? I just... I mean, dude, I think that's actually a really interesting thing, though. Is Does Shira have a point here in this idea of, like, if this starts to happen more to, to, to meat and, and in that way, do you think that could start affecting society going into more of a plant-based diet? Well, the thing is, this is not the first initiative we've seen like this. There are at least a dozen other states that have similar initiatives um, that, you know, do improve the lives of the animals, gives them a little bit more breathing room, changes the ethics of raising farm animals for the better. The reason why this is such a big deal is One, because of the massive amount of pork that Californians consume, and we haven't seen something on such a large scale directly related to pigs and their livelihood. So this could really change the farming industry as a whole, Um, again, because it's such a huge, huge volume. Yeah, this is so interesting. This so, is really interesting. do other states need to worry about this? Like, uh, obviously, you said it's been implemented in other places, but where do you see the future of this and how it will impact the country and how we consume? It's going to impact cultures. I mean, meat. culturally, in in different spaces yeah. around the world, and and well, around our our country, 
that's a huge like, thing. And I'm from the, the South. Bacon is a norm, it, it, a, is a thing we put in everything. Yeah, is this the beginning of a shift in terms of how we eat? It absolutely could be. And I think, you know, that is sort of the long term. But I think even in the short term, we could see those prices increase all across the country, not just in California where this is happening. Because, again, going back to that hypothetical farmer in Idaho, that farmer may be supplying to other states all across the country as well. And if they have to spend more money to increase the blueprint of their farm and give animals more space to roam around, that's going to increase their individual product. So we could potentially see prices rise in states all across the country, not just California. And that's a huge deal. Wow. Yeah, it is. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the people that do eat pork that you're experiencing this. No, don't have compassion now. No, I actually don't. I mean, <laughs> all right. Thank you uh, so much, Kelly Vaughn, staff writer for Food 52. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. Next up on the show, this nurse got arrested for how she administered the COVID-19 vaccine. The crazy story next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now get ready for some messed up stuff, okay? A German nurse is being investigated for allegedly injecting thousands of people with a placebo instead of the coronavirus vaccine. Like, can you believe that? Like, here's the thing. I was watching my nurse when she, like, did it twice. But, you know, it's a clear... It's a yeah, clear it's thing, so you can't see, like, you don't know. But to imagine that there's, like, about how many people, you said? That got this? 8,600. 8,600 people who think they're vaccinated, and it comes out to find out that they're not because of a, some anti-vaxxer nurse. It's horrible. It's insane. Lock her up and give oh, yeah. her, like, the complete sentence that you can give her. Well, yeah, she is being looked at. She was arrested. She had administered shots of saline solution to all these patients. And a local counselor, and this is in Germany, uh, said, I am totally shocked by this. And that um, it was reportedly a Red Cross nurse had injected those people with blanks. However, she had reportedly broadcast anti-vax views on social media. So... 
She was broadcasting anti-vax views, which, by the way, everyone's allowed their opinion. However, that's a bit of a flag if you're a nurse then who's supposed to do this work. You could see how there's a bit of an issue here. Imagine if you don't believe this is happening, are you going to do the work that needs to be done? Can you be trusted? Well, my thing is, obviously, besides all the like the HIPAA laws, which, I, well, it's Germany, so I don't know if HIPAA here is the same HIPAA thing. HIPAA laws, there. so we... Oh, are, you, is HIPAA like everywhere? Um, it might not be. It's the, the U.S. I don't know what it is there. I wasn't here when y'all did a segment about yeah. HIPAA. Yeah, so what we learned from that is HIPAA means that doctors can't reveal your, like, your medical history. You could actually reveal your own, which is why people are not using it properly. Interesting. Okay. Well, I I wonder what is going to happen to this lady now that this is happening. And then also with the story going like, because this story was everywhere. Um, I saw it yesterday particularly. And I just, you just never know if that's going to be an idea for an anti-vaxxer nurse or doctor here who is like doing the, the exam. Like you just never know what could happen or what could actually impact us here in the States. And for me, that makes me very worried because there's a lot of unfortunately people who don't believe in this vaccine and depending on where their mental health is and how far they're willing to go. Yeah. They can make that happen. Well, Texas a hospital suspended 178 employees for two weeks without pay for refusing to get the vaccine. That's it. Yeah. <sighs> so, you know, this is happening everywhere, I but this is the first time said. we're seeing someone actually do this. So let's be clear that specific instance hasn't happened here but it could yeah but that is messed up and that uh was a little bit of a crazy story for you let us know what you think at lgt show but coming up caitlin jenner's campaign continues as she visits the homeless in la what she had to share about her experience next on what's trending this hour let's go there with shira and ryan channel q Ah, we are back and hope you're enjoying some of that music here on Channel Q. And we've got lots coming up, including in 30 minutes, we're talking about compassion fatigue and how it's impacting mm. how doctors view the unvaccinated. Interesting. Compassion. It was a really great article in The Atlantic about this, and we thought it'd be good to talk about it on our show. Because it, it brings up so many good things. We can, do, do, we, <laughs> we can talk about it here if you want. No, we're going to save it for our, our conversation okay. about compassion. <laughs> Plus, what Andy Cohen uh, thinks about dating as a dad, that's in the two report in a moment. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Caitlyn Jenner is still running for governor of California somehow. She toured the streets of L.A. to have a first-hand look at the homeless crisis, and here's what she had to share. Probably the first contact that a homeless person is going to have is with law enforcement. We have to reclaim our public space. We have to regulate our public space, and those laws have to be followed. I So here's the thing. I agree there needs to be laws, but also find some solutions. It's never going to be a sentence, even if she is right. I'm never going to say I'm what I agree yeah, with Yeah, I know, but I'm just like, I, I, but everyone talks about this. Whether it be Caitlyn, who is not the right person to talk about this, or other people who have been doing this for years, of course there needs to be regulations, but you also have to have a solution. You can't just throw people out and think that's a viable solution. I have a funny, I, I just had a... What? I thought. Oh. Because it's not like Caitlyn's getting press anywhere else. You think she would come on the show? Do you yeah, think we would yeah. get dragged to have Caitlyn Jenner on the show? I, we would probably get dragged. 
Well, not if we asked her good questions. No, that doesn't mean anything nowadays. Even if you ask, it's just like giving people a platform. But she's already there. I mean, if anything, she still deserve, like, deserves to uh, have a space. Or we no, get to. Not she, she does doesn't not deserve. deserve we to have deserve. A space. If we want to ask her questions, we, we, why not bring her on if she's campaigning? To ask her those things. I don't, I don't think that... I, I would have a hard time ethically bringing her into similar spaces and talking to her. Yeah, because you're giving her more attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I could also see how it could be interesting to have a real conversation, be the yeah. people that have that conversation with true. her. True, that's true. But luckily, never mind. Let's get I just, into yeah, I just what? don't see it. I just don't see it. Yeah, well, put a pin in that. Maybe, but I thought about it, you know? Okay, thanks for letting Thinking us Thinking about it, right? Well, what's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? <laughs> okay, so Andy Cohen, he's dating, of course. But I think dating for him has changed since he's become a dad. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. And yes, I'm thinking the same thing you're thinking. It is a slow news day. Uh- <laughs> That's not true. You know, Andy is a celeb in his own right. And I'm inter- yeah, interested in like- knowing about his dating life. Girl, do we really care? No, but I think what's really interesting is how he's kind of shifted and how he says his dating world has kind of become a little bit more complicated because he is a dad. He's, which I had no clue, he's 53. I I was pretty sure he wasn't in his 40s. He doesn't feel like a 40-something. Wow, drag him. I'm just saying. He's been around. mode? (laughs) No, he's not that. Wow. Minute, but he is not in his 40s. You could feel that. You can get that vibe. Well, I don't like, know. As he... you get older, you could see when someone's, you know, in their... I'm almost So he's 40. visibly looking like old. <laughs> also, his career... No, he's been around. Wow, right. sure. Actually, it, Andy I... heard it here first. I interviewed Andy before Watch What Happens Live was on TV, <laughs> and he had a web series. He actually kind of does know me. Well, maybe. here's what he's looking for in a relationship, just because for... And, you know, I'm going to stop sharing from the digging story. Her, her, like her hole in the ground. Um, but he says... The stakes are higher now that he's a follow, uh, father. Uh, he said, now there's an end game. Are oh, you good yeah. to be a good stepfather? It changed everything. True. He said, this is what he's looking for. So listen up. I like very independent people who have their own things going with their own lives, who are very strong in their belief systems. That's very attractive to me. I mean, isn't that what everyone's looking for? Girl, no, some people me. learn about this later on in life. He's 53. What, what else was he going to learn about it? I mean, usually when you have a child or yeah, or when you need to have a child, you start figuring that out. Well, if you think you have a shot with Andy Cohen, um, he loves... Shoot your shot with Andy Cohen. Yeah, why not? Do it right now. Head over there. Keep listening to the show, but head over and shoot your shot. That's your T-Report. Next up, uh, why to, what to do if your company wants to be like a family and, you know, you've got boundaries. How to deal with that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. With company culture being the buzzword lately, a lot of companies are making claims or try to be like a family. Join us. We're like a family. But really, are we a family? And what if you don't want to be family with the people you work with? You can barely deal with your own family. Well, joining us right now is Mary Abajay, who's a workplace expert, also the author of Managing Up, How to Succeed with Any Type of Boss. Thanks for being back. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, so I think this is such a funny topic because when an organization says we're like a family, the first thing I want to know is, 
are you family like the Brady Bunch or like everybody loves Raymond? Because there are some families that are going to be more pleasant than others to be a part of. And quite frankly, I don't want to work with my own family. So I'm always a little hesitant when organizations say that. Well, I think that's a great place to start. Talk about how that idea of trying to force that on folks can be a little toxic. Yeah, and so here's the thing. about It can be very taxing. Here's the thing about when you're taking the family sort of uh, moniker for your company is that families, like companies and organizations and culture, come in many different shapes and sizes. So you could be a happy family, and maybe your family, maybe in your culture, that family means uh, helping each other. We support each other. Relationships are important in our organization. We're honest with each other. We're able to make up after we fight uh, and being very relationship with people oriented. I mean, that's one connotation, but you could also have a negative connotation when they're too family-like, when we lose our uh, work-life boundaries, when we prioritize loyalty to the family <laughs> over self-interest or ethics, or we're, we uh, pressure people to accept lower pay and not complain about, you know, quote-unquote, the management, the parents. Uh, and, you know, the whole message is not to buck leadership. So there's a whole kind of continuum of what could be kind of a good part of comparing your culture to a family to where it gets kind of bad and not so good. Yeah. And what what do you do if you're someone who doesn't like that, like doesn't want to go out and hang out with your coworkers all the time? Like you like your coworkers, you actually work really hard, (laughs) you deliver. But what to do when it feels like even you delivering your work isn't enough because you're not part of the group? Like it feels like being part like friends with everyone is just as important as doing the work. Yeah, and this can be a very tricky road to navigate. So if you're not a person who's socially inclined at work, Mm -hmm. you really want to find out about the culture of your organization before you say yes to the dress. You really want to find out how important the kind of the social element in your workplace is. And so you can ask some questions like, how would you describe the culture here? If they say, oh, we're like a family, you say, well, tell me more. And you can kind of get a glimpse of that. Uh, the other thing is around understanding this is, um, is, you know, all workplaces are social systems, right? Meaning that all workplaces are going to require some level of interaction, some level of relationships, because we have to work with other people. The key for you is to find out what level you are comfortable, comfortable with in terms of the team building, the socializing, and those sorts of events. Uh, And so if you find that you are in an organization, despite your best efforts uh, to avoid that sort of environment, then you really do have to have some some transparent conversations with your boss or your manager about what their expectations of you are in the socialization. Now, I am going to say this. If you're working for a very social company, you probably are going to have to suck it up a little bit and do some socializing. Don't be a complete hermit, but don't feel like you have to completely go, you know, crazy extrovert if that's not your, your, your ball of wax. It's about having really clear conversations about the expectations of your organization and your body. Okay, well, there you go. I think you said it all, pretty much. You really did. (laughs) You went right into it. Because this could be challenging for a lot of people. But I think, yeah, if if the place is your place, it needs to be your place all around. Sometimes that is where the rubber hits the road if the environment isn't for you, even if you like the work. That's kind of the reality. Uh, Well, thank you so much for being here. That was Mary Abajay, a workplace expert and author of Managing Up, How to Succeed with Any Type of Boss. Thanks for being with us again. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you.
Well, next up, what is compassion fatigue and why it's impacting conversations around those who are unvaccinated? That's next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As the COVID variant continues, it seems like this whole thing is never ending. And it's putting a huge weight, a continued weight and burden on uh, doctors who are continuing to live through this, this traumatic experience as people continue to deny this whole thing and to basically drag vaccinations and not be vaccinated. Well, now there's something called compassion fatigue that's coming up and it's impacting conversations around those who are unvaccinated, specifically among medical professionals. And Dr. Javi Eve Kowski joins us right now, a high-risk doctor and author in New York City who wrote about her experience and also has a new book out called High Risk, Pregnancy, Birth and the Unexpected. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. So this is uh, intense and uh, probably a difficult thing to discuss, but what is compassion fatigue? I would say that compassion fatigue is when um, somebody who, for their job, and often that's healthcare, but it's a bunch of other stuff too, um, needs to have a level of empathy, compassion, and actually just energy to do their work well. Um, They need to be able to relate to people in a sort of positive and forward-thinking way. And I think compassion fatigue is is when you can't muster that anymore. It's just been too long. It's a term we sometimes use in medicine when we're discussing burnout. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I I feel like I have compassion fatigue just as an everyday person. (laughs) Because just watching the news, hearing the stories of people automatically going to, you know, I don't know. Just it's it's one of those things where it's like at at this point, if you're not going to do what's best for you, then I'm going to move forward. I want to know from your perspective, though, um, as like who someone who interacts with other doctors, what what's what's the point? What are y'all thinking at this point? Like what? How are y'all feeling about the constant, especially with the Delta variant and the cases rising? How are y'all feeling at this point? Are y'all just over it? <laughs> just to be blunt. So I think what really happened is that I am in a lot of you know Facebook groups and I which I feel like just marks me as an old person. Sorry about that. Um, and with lots of doctors from around the country. And I just started to see sentiments that I I just had never seen before. Like maybe people who are unvaccinated should like have to wait in the emergency room after all the heart attacks. Maybe people who are unvaccinated um, shouldn't be on transplant lists, right, if they need a lung transplant. And, you know, in healthcare, these kind of these kind of sentiments are really ethically fraught because that really is someone's life in your hands if you show discrimination, right? And I'm going to say that it is discriminatory, although we can talk about whether it's it's a reasonable way to discriminate when you have limited resources. But I was sort of really surprised. And I, I felt like it was a sort of widespread exhaustion and, and maybe even trauma that I was seeing in healthcare professionals as the pandemic sort of kept going on and on and on. And also, I think, as it stopped feeling much like a team effort, like we're all in this together. But with the onset of the vaccine, it really felt like some people weren't being on the team. And and as we all know, you know, when you don't feel like people are working with you, it really is exhausting. What was the response to this article you wrote in The Atlantic that was very honest and vulnerable? 
Um, it's been overwhelming. Um, I think a lot of physicians have posted it, reposted it, been like, this is, what's, this is what I'm feeling. I feel recognized. I feel like this is in my heart. I have gotten some people writing to me that they felt discriminated against. I want to be clear that, you know, I'm not condoning differential treatment. If someone's in front of me, I'm going to take care of them. I take care of people who make good decisions and bad decisions. I take care of the person. And that's what medicine should be. But I more wanted to hear the people who just were really feeling like deep in their bones, used up and hopeless. And, And I don't think there's recognition of that in the United States. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I I think um, as we keep seeing things and as we keep finding that little that that fine line of what is discrimination or not when it comes to these sort of cases, it's it's one of those things that it feels like it's just going to continue to get complicated and complicated. So how is the medical community going to kind of I don't know pivot and make sure they adapt to you know their own personal beliefs but not discriminating in that way. Well, I think the other thing that I think is hard for us is that what people forget is that, you know, healthcare is made up of people, right? We're people too. Um, we're trained people, we're professional people. Um, but ultimately, people need to be cared for and need to be given a break and need to have rest time. And if you feel like that's never happening, and if you feel like that's never happening because of, of cruelty, it's going to really impact your ability to do that work. Yeah. And so, as we're looking at the future, I mean, what is the overall sentiment right now and how we move forward? Well, I sort of feel like like almost every trauma, the first thing is to just actually recognize and feel seen. So I do think I'm a little bit proud of that piece where a lot of people felt like it was resonant. Um, I don't want to make it into a situation where people feel like they can discriminate. But I think there is value in saying to people, hey, I see you. I see how hard you're working. I see how unheard you feel. Um, I see what you've been through in the last year and a half. And so, first of all, I think that's always the first step, right? Especially if we sort of consider this collective trauma, which I think you're right, is true for healthcare workers. It's true for all of us. It's a global trauma. Um, so, I, I do think that that was something that I found useful. A lot of people have written to me to say that they just really felt seen. And I always think that's a good thing. You know, it's like when you're up, uh, you work in the army, in the military, you're a service person. And we, we always thank people, whether we agree with war or not, or a veteran. I feel like we need to look at those who are in the medical field the same way. Like, whether you believe in stuff or not, like, thank you for being on the front lines. I think there's also an element, and I talk about this a lot, actually, when I talk about reproductive rights. Like, I don't feel like I have a right to decide how you use your body or whether you get an abortion. You don't have to deserve an abortion um, in my world. Um, And I think there's an element, though, where this is a little different because it's also my family in your medical experience. It's also, you know, my health. And so there's a way here where the mix of the personal and the epidemiologic almost come together in a way that's very challenging for healthcare providers. Well, thank you so much for writing this and for being here to share your story. We really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Please stay safe. Everyone out there, if you can get vaccinated, please please do. Definitely. We're uh, big uh, supporters of that message as well. <laughs> well. That was Dr. Javi Eve Karkowski, a high-risk doctor and author in New York City. Check out her article about this subject, Compassion Fatigue in the Atlantic.com. Have a great rest of your night. You too, guys. Thanks so much. Next up, would you break into someone's car if you saw their dog was left inside? What this one woman did and what went down next? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
Okay, so would you help a dog get out of a hot car? In the latest crazy moment captured on camera, now going viral on social media, this woman helped a dog, locked in a car, and then got berated by the owner. Here's a moment from that. I'm standing here. You came at me. You touched my door and my car. Do you own my vehicle? Do you want me to call the cops? Do you want me to call the cops on you? And you put your hands on me first. You can back away. Fine. Okay. Well, and that continued on for a bit. Who's in the wrong here? I mean, there's so many questions to ask. One, if you saw a dog in a car, it was 85 degrees. And you see a dog, it's not just in the car for a little, but you're waiting like 30 minutes. They broke a window, they broke in. How did they break in? I think they pushed down the window. The window was open a little bit and they somehow got the dog out. So they maybe pushed it a bit more down. Okay. That doesn't mean you break a window, but it could be annoying. So is, is, would you do what this person did to this? And then she basically watched the dog, realized that the owners still weren't there after 20 minutes, then didn't take the dog, but just took the dog or gave the dog water, had to open the window a bit more. Would you do that? And secondly, was the woman who came back, who that's her car, was she wrong for yelling at that woman? Oh, so I looked at it. They smashed the car. I mean, they smashed the window. I thought they just took it down. Anyway. Well, it says it did. Yeah, anyway. Um, I, Here's the thing. I would have been the person who would have just minded my business, but apparently this dog was in like a shock where it was like soaking wet and it was like, you know, shaking and, and you know, it was like swimming in its own... I didn't even know dogs sweat it, to be honest. Supposedly. Coco's a house dog. She don't really get out that much. Supposedly they had just come back from being at the pool or something, water. Oh, so that's why the dog, oh, so it was a big misunderstanding? All right, now, let's let's simplify this. The dog is still in there. It's 85 degrees. Yeah. I don't care if the soaking or unsoaking. Oh, so you're, you're okay with this? Here's the thing. Actually, according to law in Massachusetts, you are allowed to call 911 and actually break and get the, and, and help the dog if it's 85 degrees and higher and the owners are nowhere in sight. It's You're also, legally allowed to do this. It's really interesting to me how like we really place this importance on like pets and just like animals over like low-key human lives. Well, if there was a baby um, in there, I think, would you do I th- well, you would I, do yeah, that? Yeah, for sure. I think somebody would do that for a baby. If there was For sure, a human, a baby. well, hopefully if it's a capable human, it's but if a baby. There, someone is disabled, you probably also would help them. I know, personally, I'm probably going to mind my business. I'm not, I'm not even going to be in that vicinity for so long because it's just, for me, it's just going to look like I'm breaking into the car, if you get what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, this person had a privilege being a white woman doing that. It wouldn't necessarily be, someone if someone else wouldn't necessarily want to do that because it could create other implications or repercussions. Thank you so much for further breaking that there down. There you go. I broke the, the race bro- wars. The broken window Cheers thing should down. be tre- teaching critical race theory. No. Actually, <laughs> I'm here no, to announce. I, I do think, you know, this, it, uh, it's it's hard because but you, you want to get should, the dog out. Should she have gotten that mad? Could they have had at least like a conversation like, whoa, first maybe react like, why the hell did you break my window or break, you know? And then for her to explain and go, okay, I'm sorry, we didn't realize. But yeah, this went down. They A screaming match happened, berating Well, I would have probably been upset too, but I also wouldn't have had my dog in the car in Massachusetts. That's where this place is at, right? Yeah, Massachusetts. Yeah. Well, listen, I feel like the lesson is here, one, don't leave any living things in a car for a long time, including when it's really hot. And, like, with people looking out in this, like, people are more aware these days of these situations, and they might do something about it. I don't know if that's okay, though. 
Well, people can't be vigilantes and breaking down. That's not a vigilante. What is this? A thing. Marvel movie? Are they like what? Tony Stark breaking into my car? Everyone thinks they're a superhero these days. No, people low key need to mind their business in ways. But I also understand they wanted to get the dog out, but like the dog was clearly wet from swimming. But we the dog, have but the still, it was panting, first. and and well, dog in thirty degrees in and how thirty long minutes was in eighty five. Supposedly but how thirty long minutes was thirty, was 30 minutes or girl. more. No, but it's one hundred twenty three degrees in the car. That could be, yeah, that could be deadly for an animal. For dogs, for really? Yeah. It's not healthy. Coming from the non-dog owner? But at the same time, listen, <laughs> I've had a dog before. It is. On the other side of things, you could say dogs, before humans took care of them, they were running around everywhere doing their own That's thing. That's what I'm saying. But he doesn't have the choice. He's stuck in there. So what? Because he's a house dog, he's like, oh, I can't handle the heat. I'm not used to this. Listen, he did not have a choice. He was a prisoner in that car. He deserved to get out. At LGT shows yeah, where you can find us on social media. Let us know what you think. This getting interesting. I get it. I would have been mad, though, if someone would have, like, broken into my car, though. Probably. That's intense. That's really intense, because you can't even sue them. That's true, because you were in the wrong. It's, it's complicated. Well, next up, uh, the Census 2020 data is here, and it reveals a surprising drop in a certain population. We'll tell you what next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back. Thanks for hanging out with us right here on Channel Culture, oh, Channel Q. I was just watching. (laughs) Channel Q. Oh, my lordy. Uh, Coming up, we're talking about the dark side of conspiracy theories and its impact on families in 15 minutes. And stick around uh, for some tea with Ryan. Yes, please. Stick around. Any teas you have for that? Stick around. Oh, okay. But first, some what's trending this hour. Dr. Anthony Fauci shared a message for those going back to school. That if you want to keep them in school, you really got to do whatever you can to keep them safe. And what that really means, in my mind and in the mind of public health officials, is the first thing you do is that you surround them with people who are vaccinated. And that's the reasons why we want the teachers to get vaccinated. We want the personnel in the school to get vaccinated. And we want children who are eligible because of their age to get vaccinated at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if some parents who are really bold started, like, who didn't want to do the masks or the vaccine started their own schools. Like, this is where we start, like, weird stuff starts happening. Yeah. Right? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. I haven't seen it yet, but who knows? Now, the United States experienced unprecedented multiracial population growth and a decline in the white population for the first time in the nation's history, according to U.S. Census officials who released data today, revealing the most really huge picture of America's racial and ethnic makeup in a decade. Uh, And this comes from Nicholas Jones, the director of race, ethnicity, research and outreach for the Census Bureau's population division who said these changes reveal that the U.S. population is much more multiracial and more racially racially and ethnically diverse than what we measured in the past. Cues the Proud Boys. The white non-Hispanic population without uh, another race decreased by 8.6% since 2010. And Jones said that during a Census Bureau press briefing today, he cautioned that some of the changes can be attributed to improvements to the survey. The white non-Hispanic population is still the largest racial group in the U.S. 
Now, the Biden administration announced that it would extend the pause on federal student loan payments until the end of January. The pandemic relief, which benefits more than 40 million federal student loan uh, borrowers, was going to expire at the end of September. And the Education Department said those benefits would now be continued until January 31st, describing it as a final extension. And that does it for some what's training this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Not even 24 hours has the news. I mean, we literally just said it was breaking news not a couple hours ago. Um, well, there's an update to the whole Britney Spears and her dad thing. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Yes, we thought it was good news. I still think it is good news. But apparently, despite reports, everyone is reporting this, Jamie Spears has not yet actually agreed to step down as Britney Spears' estate uh, conservator. He's saying that he's going to step down when the time, he feels the time is right. Hey, what does that mean? Like, exactly. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't understand this because it feels like he's, he's like playing in our face at this point. Um, but he's like, he because in the latest filings, it does say that his lawyer says that he intends to work with the court and his daughter's new attorney to prepare for an orderly transition to a new conservator. But now reports are saying that he's not planning on stepping down anytime soon because there's still stuff to take care of. Like, there's still a lot of things that has to, like, happen to take care of. Um, and so it just sounds like he just made that report to make every, like, he made this announcement to kind of quiet the noise and the threats and all these things but really he's going to be on board for a while before she act like before he so, actually steps down what was up with this news headline of him stepping down well that's what his lawyer his lawyers are saying that but they came out with another statement saying that actually we're you know there's a lot of things that's going to have to take place before we just immediately step down because i think the reports well, are saying there, yeah there's still he's time immediately going to step down I mean, that was a bit of a wishful thinking when you've been. Well, that, you know, but that's technically what his statement said. And I. So what? Yeah, something weird went down. I feel like maybe they released it too quick. Someone pulled the trigger too quickly. This is getting very. It's getting fishy. messed up. Yeah, for sure. I. It's unfortunate. Um, but who knows? I just. I'm just so confused at this point. It's. It's really wild. But that's your T report. Maybe we'll have another update next hour. Okay. Maybe. The Britney update. Next up, the consequences behind conspiracy theories are worse than you think. What this QAnon-obsessed dad did to his kids who he thought would destroy the world. This is really out there. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. In a tragic true story that shows the realities of when conspiracy theories go too far, according to the FBI, and this is the story that has just come out, a QAnon-obsessed father thought his kids would destroy the world so he killed them this is really messed up and joining us is someone who breaks down all these conspiracy theories with us as we continue to cover these unfortunate stories brian dunning who's a science writer and host and producer of the skeptoid podcast thanks for being here hey thanks for having me always fun I know that was a dark way to get into this because it's just horrible, <laughs> that headline, right? Yeah. And by the way, I didn't even add, they had more words in that headline that I didn't add that detailed how he did it. Decided to take that out. At any rate, Good, what do you, you think about how far people are taking this? Is, is this crazy? Uh, you know what? I, yes, but I, I don't think this is a very good example because okay. in this particular case, this guy had a lot of other stuff going on as mm -hmm. well. I mean, he told the FBI that he'd been having visions and signs 
and that his wife possessed serpent DNA. So, I mean, this guy was having some kind of a dissociative episode, probably even schizophrenia. Mm, so yeah. I, I don't think it's fair to, uh, to paint this as a typical QAnon a conspiracy theorist. Which is why we have you here to, to, to talk you. about this. But I, <laughs> I, I do think it's interesting how conspiracies yeah. can really drive um, the way that yeah. someone kind of mo- moves and navigates in the world. Talk about some of the, I mean, obviously this is a prime example of the dangers of that, but is it normally as dangerous as this? I mean, do, does it get pretty wild from your your kind of research of looking at conspiracies? Well, no, and I think this this story is a good example of why it doesn't always. It certainly pushes everyone in that direction. Um, but not everyone has whatever this guy has that puts him over the head that actually puts him into a murderous uh, frame of frame of behavior. So, I mean, the, the basic issue with why conspiracy theory, uh, conspiracy ideation, our tendency to be conspiracists, is um, the, the basic problem with why it's so harmful is that it, all conspiracy theories have one thing in common, and that's that they paint some group of people as them, you know, the, the capital them, the evil conspirators, whoever they are. And that's the fundamental component of hate. So it dry, every, every conspiracy theorist is driven toward hate of some particular group. Yeah, and so what is problematic here? I mean, obviously these groups are problematic, but also would you say on the other side, it's problematic how these stories are covered because in the end people are not focusing on the fact that someone could have mental health issues. It's not just like they're just a QAnon follower. Yeah, I agree. This, this particular story absolutely should not have been reported the way it was. Hmm. This is someone who's clearly mentally ill having some kind of an episode with, with tragic results. And that there's, it's not like there's nothing you can say you should be reporting instead about uh, the QAnon conspiracy theory people, because that's that's driving violence in a whole other direction. But it is a very real world threat. But I mean, that, the QAnon movement has been has been listed as a, as a domestic terror threat. Right. But I think that's what can I mean, depending on what the conspiracy is, I think isn't that what conspiracy theories do kind of it does drive to, I mean, sometimes threats that really are intense, not as this, but still can be labeled as intense. Because, I mean, some conspiracy yeah, it, theories it, are wild. Many of them are very wild. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they've, they've all got someone as, you know, the, as the evil conspirator. Maybe that's Jews. Maybe it's NASA. Maybe it's Democrats. Maybe it's Mexicans. Maybe it's the 1%. Whatever it is, it's some group of people. And you're setting the stage for hatred. And that, that might be race hatred. It might be class hatred or whatever it is. And in many of these these forms of hatred and violence, you've got actual violence it does sometimes come out and so what responsibility do we all have in this case and even like people that are in those groups i feel like there's this responsibility to i don't even know to say that we like let's make sure that that we don't prey on vulnerable people but i guess that's how they were created but by yeah, the way. I mean, I mean, the, the million dollar question is, how do you how do you help guide people away from mm, their conspiracy yeah. theory beliefs? And that's that's a difficult question. <laughs> and there's not a lot of success in doing that, as we can see. I mean, basically, a, a lot of a lot of research has been done on this. A lot of writing has been done on this. And what you just need to do is you need to to understand and listen mm. and have conversations in a safe and controlled manner. Um, you know, a lot of these are positions that people didn't reason themselves into, so you're not going to reason them out of it. Right. Uh, but, but you can listen to what they're saying 
and suggest alternate explanations for the things that they've come up with. Definitely. Well, uh, thank you for being here as we cover this. We appreciate it. Always fun. Always a great time, you too. Always interesting, that's for sure. That was Brian Dunning, a science writer, host, and producer of the Skeptoid podcast. Definitely check it out. He is the expert on skepticism, among all these things that we talk about. Have a great rest of your night. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So this 24-year-old man wrote to Dan Savage's Savage Love, which is an online column, and he sought some unusual uh, advice or advice for an unusual situation. So he writes, uh, I'm a 24-year-old gay man with a 31-year-old bi boyfriend. And he said that he knew his older boyfriend was a lot more sexually experienced than he was, but it, it had never been a big deal. Things changed, though, when he took his uh, boyfriend to meet his parents for what he thought was the first time. But it turns out, and this is the twist, that 10 years ago, during his big buy slut phase, and that was his words, they had a threesome. So imagine your boyfriend having a threesome with your parents at that point. Would you be able to continue the relationship? Like, well, I don't know what do what's do? more traumatic, finding out that your your parents are having like bisexual threesomes or or just like finding out your boyfriend <laughs> yeah. was a part of it. I don't know because my thing is I I you know honestly the one thing that I want my mother to do is get some. I do want that. I have no problem with my parent having sex. Like that it's we're all humans at the end of the day. And honestly maybe she would be a lot nicer and happier if she got some every hey, once in a while. Um <laughs> You know, and so for me, like, I don't even I don't even care that the parents are, you know, they have like a, you know, a freaky Friday every once in a while. (laughs) Um, But then I would feel weird that my boyfriend knows my parents in that way. Like, how do you bounce back from that? Yeah. I mean, he says I'm mortified. He's mortified. They're mortified. I'm never going to be able to look at my parents again. Never. Please help us find a way past this. Yeah, I don't There's know. There's no way. I don't know. This is one There's that I honestly feel no way. So, There's no way. Um, he said, so Dan Savage said that he ha- even had to, <laughs> to have a cool washcloth over his eyes for six hours before he could come to terms with the situation. He said, if couples in their 40s with teenage children at home are going to have threesomes with guys in their 20s, they run into this risk, which it, I mean, they do that. That's very true, because guess what? You I mean, if that's what they're looking for. If they're hitting up the grinders and they doing what they do, that that that's true. That's going to happen, um, which sucks because th- that town must be small. Where are they from? Does it does it say? No, I didn't see. This. Wow. girl. He says, if you can. What a nightmare. <laughs> if you can do things to your boyfriend that, you know, your dad did to your boyfriend and, and your mom. Like, could you go past? I don't know. That is really hard. I feel like that would require a lot of processing, a lot of possibly couples therapy. Like, you have to. This is the thing. In order Wait. to navigate, can I just have a yeah, moment yeah, of of ahaha moment? All right, do that. In order to navigate things like this, you need to have enough of a why with someone. The person you're with, you need to like have enough of a well. This like we're having a child together. This is the person that I could have a kid with. This is the person I could get old with. If this is just like maybe a relationship that's good, cute, but you don't see it as that person, like there needs to be enough of a why to fight through a moment like this. Wait, you want? I don't know if there's enough of a why to be like, yeah, your dad slept with your grandparents. 
Like there's not that's not enough of a why for you me. Can't I'm come sorry. Back from that. You can't do that. And then also it's just no, you can't do that. I'm sorry. There's just no way because they've seen each other in such an intimate way. I, yeah, I mean that's intimate. This is this would be hard. I don't know if there's an like, answer. To his this. boyfriend knows his mom's O face. <laughs> and I mean, his I dad's like, O face. You know, we all show an O face through other things that we do, whether we like. It or no, not. that's not true. My O face it looks way different than all my other happy faces. <laughs> what if? Okay, I'm not gonna say. Yeah, it's true. And so that's just a little strange. I don't know if there's any bouncing back from that. Well, that's I guess our advice to this person and it was the same advice that Dan Savage gave like if you can get through all this which is like a laundry list of things and st- be okay then sure but you'd have to get through that laundry list of things it's 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 a little weird to it me. is let us know what you think how you would navigate the situation at LGT show slide into our DM go ahead slide into oh, them yeah. let's go there with, with Shira and Ryan channel Q we're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the day yeah Yes, Queen. You know, the Avengers, Iron Man, Black Panther, Spider-Man, those are some of the folks in the Marvel Universe. But now Marvel is releasing a comic book that will celebrate some real-life superheroes. You might be wondering who those are. Well, the nurses out there. Yay! Yes, that's right. In coordination with the Allegheny Health Network, AHN, and the ad agency Donor, Marvel has created a comic book called The Vitals, True Nurse Stories, based on a bunch of experiences that nurses had in 13 hospital facilities in western Pennsylvania. This is incredible. Very interesting. And this comes from AHN Chief Nurse Executive Claire Zangirl, who said, Throughout the pandemic, we've been in awe of the courage and resourcefulness of our nurses who put their own health at risk to care for these vulnerable patients. We're proud of them. We hope that in seeing themselves as real Marvel Comics superheroes, they can take a moment to look back in pride on their work and compassion during an exceptionally difficult time for our communities. So that's very cool. So you can check out uh, that through Marvel, The Nurses. The Vitals. Mm. You get our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. I really do like that story. That's really cool. Yeah. I wonder if this is like, so many of our nurses are, all right, this is the reality, have having such a hard time. We talked to a doctor earlier in the show that it's like, let's do something for them. Let's Maybe we give them a Marvel uh, superhero book. They won't quit and leave this industry because of how hard it's becoming. Man. Yeah, they deserve that and a lot more, but at least that is definitely something. And that does it for our show today. But we're back tomorrow, last day of the week here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern Live. It's Friday the 13th tomorrow. Just saying. So maybe we'll get into some spooky stuff on the show. Plus, how to deal with a friend who constantly puts their partner down as a joke. Ooh, we've all seen that. We've been there. That's tomorrow. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app and search Let's Go There and subscribe. We're sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's covering three ways and opening up. Whoa. Yeah. What, what exactly are you opening up? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 